Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hey, how was everybody's week? Really? Mine sucked. Golly, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. My goodness. You know, a couple of weeks ago, man, I, I preached about, well, it's been about two months ago, I preached about being in the zone and what that's like. Well, let me tell you about the other part of that. Man, I tell you what, if I touched it this week, it broke or quit or got mad or crapped in the floor. I, like, I don't know, man. It was just one of those weeks. And so on, on Friday, um, uh, some friends of ours, Josh and Megan, they're from Indiana. They, they, they've been out here like three or four times from Indiana, like outside of, uh, oh, what is it? Like South Bend, Indiana, real close to there. And they just come out to come to church. Well, they came out uh, this past weekend and didn't plan very good because they had a tri- another trip to make. But they came out. And so we were visiting with them on Friday. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm real sorry. I said, but I, I've got something to do because in addition to... Uh, Going to New Hampshire, Jesse needed a cab for a uh, semi that he has that, you know, they're so close to the ocean that everything rusts out with salt water and stuff like that. He goes, dude, he said, there's a cab in Hudson, Colorado. He said that if you go get that for me and I buy it and I paid all of your gas, it would still be half the price I can buy one up here for I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm coming up there anyway. He goes, well, just just because he left a truck and trailer here. He goes, you, you can use my truck and you can use my trailer. And I, eh, he said, I'll, I'll use my own truck. Said, That's okay. Got my, you know, got my favorite stations on and stuff like that. He goes, I don't care. So Friday morning, I, I get up and Josh and Megan, they get there and we're visiting. I was like, hey, man, I'm real sorry, but I, I got to get, I got to get this Jesse's, uh, truck unhitched from the trailer because I'm going to use his trailer to haul out there and everything. And so uh, anyway, I, I got out there and I opened it up because Jesse said, I'll be sure and leave the, uh, the keys in it. I got in it and click, 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 click. Of course, because that's how you love to start off a morning. Because let me tell y'all people that don't have diesels, okay? You don't just go out there and just jump start a diesel. Okay, it, it, it takes a little more than that. So it, it, just a minor inconvenience. It's no big deal. All I got to do is go get the charger. It has the jump start. You put the clamps on there and you charge it up. No big deal. It's just a minor inconvenience. So I go in the shop and I get the charger and I come back out with the charger and I put the clamps on the battery and the left clamp falls apart. So I have to now, just a minor inconvenience, now I have to take 20 minutes and fix the, where the wire goes into the, to the clamp that clamps on the batteries. But that's no big deal. I mean, it doesn't matter that it's dead. It doesn't matter that now I gotta fix the charger. Those are just minor inconveniences. Just fix it. And so I get in there and I turn it to start. Get in there, click, click, click. Okay, don't get in a hurry. That's when you start getting mad, right? When you start getting in a hurry. Right. So I put it on his on, you know, like basically like like on like like I'm going to microwave popcorn. Right. I mean, that, that charger's humming 
because I want it to go fast. So I go back inside, get a cup of coffee. I'm visiting with Josh and Megan. About 20 minutes goes by. I said, hey, I bet it's ready now. We walk out there. Click, 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 click. Okay, so let me go get my truck, right? So I go get my diesel. I have to pull it over there. Then I have to go get the extension cords out. And the extension cord somehow, or not the extension cord, the jumper cable somehow got put in with a lot of, of uh, tie-down ratchet straps. And have you ever tried to pull a pair of jumper cables out of anything? They will hang up on air, right and just clog up so here i am for 10 minutes undoing jumper cables i finally get out there i hook everything up stick it in hey we're in business now we're ready to go all right move my truck out of the way move the charger out of the way we're we're cooking on all cylinders now so i tell i tell uh josh who's helping me i was like hey josh I said, Un undo that trailer and while I put all this stuff up. And by that time, man, I'll be ready to back in and go. He's like, all right. So I go put the charger up. Then I go put the jumper cables up. And then I go put my truck up, right? And I get over there and Josh is standing there defeated. He's like, I don't know how. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how? Well, I look in there and there is no genius better than a homemade hitch <laughs> the latching mechanisms that y'all welders <laughs> where's the rest of you i'm gonna I'm eyeball the rest of you. you know what i'm talking about right well, see, so you got to slide this thing down and then pull this back while you push this part in, and then you got to jack the back left tire up. What in the world? I look at this thing, and I'm like, I don't know. So we're looking around, and what happens is it like, if this is the thing, the front butterflies open, and then you back into it, and it closes, and then this thing comes down on top of it, right? Pretty cool-looking deal. But since all of it was made about the same time our chapel was, 1751, <laughs> I did notice something pretty, pretty quickly was that there was one part on there that wasn't from 1751. It was from 1918. So I knew that that probably had something to do with it, and it ran all the way through, and it's bolt about that long with a little bitty nut on it. And I got to looking in the, and you couldn't, fully disconnect the thing until that bolt was out of there. Well, shoot, that's a minor inconvenience. I got two pair of pliers. This world can be fixed with two pair of pliers. Did you know that? But I can't undo the nut with my fingers, right? So I have to get it started, right? Well, the dang nut is cross-threaded. But that ain't no big deal. It's just too long to get a socket over there. So for nine hours, I went creak. Creak, 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 a quarter turn at a time, about this far. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am starting to lose it now. But anyway, I got two pair of pliers. I'm like, chee, chee, chee. Finally got it undone. Everything opens up, like, blah, 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 blah. It's beautiful. I'm like, yes, the truck is still started. We are on the way. I jump out. 
And I said, Josh, open up this tailgate so I can get out from underneath this trailer. He goes, okay. We worked on that tailgate for 20 minutes and never got it open. Because right now, you know where we're at? We're at the what would Jesus do moment. And I thought about that. What would Jesus do right now? Well, he'd come up with a miracle or something. You know, that's not fair, Jesus. I mean, you, worked, I mean, you wanted to cross the lake, didn't have a boat, no problem. You just walked. My goodness, can anything go right? I mean, like, seriously, I'm, I'm looking there, and I'm like, no, the t- <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Well, I figured out what Jesus would do. He'd get the tractor like I did. And I went and got the tractor, and I put the, the little pallet forks on there, and I lifted the trailer up as high as I could get it with the tractor so that Josh could pull it out from under me. And so, anyway, lifted the trailer, and like it barely would lift it high enough because it's kind of like a, kind of a dovetail, so the back end hit, and that's all I can lift it about that far but I was like thank you Jesus you came through so now all I have to do all I have to do now now you have to understand we're about an hour and a half into this thing now right now all I have to do is back my truck under figure out how to latch this thing onto a Ford and here we go right so I get out I look in the back of the truck and I forgot that I'd taken out my ball because I had to haul some stuff and so the ball was in the back seat of my pickup I grabbed the I get over there to it and I jump in the back and I go to stick the ball down in the little well so I don't know what you call that little thing that comes on trucks nowadays where you slide your ball into and I asked Cammie last night while I was making my notes I said honey what do you call that thing where you put the ball she goes the goose hole (laughs) so that's what we're going to refer to it now as the goose hole So I get up there to put the ball in the goose hole, but I forgot that I'd hauled a bunch of gravel for my goose hole is, my goose, (laughs) goose, my goose hole is filled with crushed granite. So now I gotta pull over to the shop, get the shop back up and suck the goose hole out. Now, there's something about that. When I got it all vacuumed out, it has two holes in the bottom that are about this big. And not a single piece of that gravel went through there. I don't know why. If I would have tried to keep gravel in the back of my pickup, it'd blow out before I reach the highway. But I can drive forever. So I get the dad out and I put it in there and I get everything put back in and I get over there and I get the trailer attached. And I'll be honest, guys, I'm not being very preacherly about this point. At least not outwardly, maybe. Inside, I ain't doing so hot. I ain't doing so hot. And I, and I remember as I was putting the ball in and once the truck was hooked up in the trailer, I stood right out there. There's kind of a line where we have a lot of the trailers and trucks parked up right there. And, and, for, and like I looked northeast. Now, don't ask me why I looked northeast. But I looked northeast standing out there where our truck and trailer line is and I I took the holy pose the holy cross pose and I said Jesus come back right now (laughs) you think I'm joking I'm not 
I said, Jesus, come back right now. And I believed with all of my heart and all of my soul that he would come back because my God said, ask for anything and you shall receive it. Well, I was sick of this life. I was sick of this life. In the Bible, it says, you know, Jesus says, when I come back, don't run back to get a change of clothes or nothing. And I was like, Jesus, I'm ready. I don't need nothing. I don't need nothing. Jesus, come back and get me. Jesus. <laughs> so I did something I've never done before. First time in my life. I took a different tone. And I changed my attitude. And I said, Jesus, you get back here right now. <laughs> I'm not playing with you. You get back here right now. I don't know where Josh is. I think they left. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. This guy's crazy. Oh, I did. Jesus, you get back here right now. And then, of course, all the way to Hudson, I had to be like, Jesus, I'm sorry I talked to you like that. It ain't my business, you know, to to do all that. See, for the fast, for the, for the, for the fast pew sermons, that's the way my, for the, for the fast pew sermons, I have uh, been preaching out of Luke chapter six, 17. And, and um, I, I don't know why, man, God just led me there. And just, there's just so much good stuff in there. And, it, and if you've been here the last three times I've preached, I've been preaching out of Luke 17. Uh, two sermons ago, I, I peached, uh, I peached, Golly, I tell you, it was a week. It was a week. Two sermons ago, I preached on Jesus's faith hack. How the disciples said, how do we increase our faith? And Jesus said, if you really want to increase your faith, become a slave. And we talked about that. And I really didn't know how that would go over. And I got hundreds and hundreds of responses that people just really, really enjoyed that. And, and then the, the, the last week I, I preached on winting, the power of winting. And we, and we talked about how there was 10 lepers standing on the border of Galilee and Samaria. And as Jesus was walking by, they asked Jesus to heal them. And all he said was, go show yourselves to the priests. And it said, and as they went, they were healed. We talked about the power of faith in action, right? And this week, we're going to finish off Luke chapter 17. And Jesus switches gears from slaves to healing through faith, faith in action, to talking about something that I believe should be absolutely should be near and dear to all of our hearts. And that is the preeminent return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus talked more about himself coming back. You know, there, there's all this oh, hellfire and brimstone. Who, who do you think you got hellfire and brimstone from? Well, Jesus was pretty much a hellfire and brimstone. And he told, he said, I'm coming back to get y'all, right? He talked time and time again about it. And he does in Luke chapter 17. Now the rapture is when Jesus will be, and, and it talks about it in Luke 17. We're not going to go through the, you know, verse by verse. We're going to get real close. But Jesus says that just like in a storm where you can see how easy it is to see lightning that lights up the whole horizon, so will it be for the whole world when I return. 
That's what he says. Like it's going to be a worldwide event. There's not going to be anybody that can deny what is happening. There's going to be some people that try, but the Bible foretells it, says, hey, you know what? Jesus is going to come back. Everybody's going to see him. He's going to take all of the believers that are left alive on earth. He's going to take them all to be with him where God is. And so for a brief moment in time, when Jesus comes back, for a brief moment in time, there won't be one single believer alive on earth because he will take all of them. Now, I think that some people are going to realize that all the Christians, suddenly all the Christians are not here, right? And they're going to figure out that what the Bible says is true. And I know that there will be some people that are saved during the tribulation, but for a moment in time, there will not be one single believer left on earth. Millions of people will disappear in the blink of an eye. But anyway, Jesus tells his disciples what those days will be like when he comes back to get us. And in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 26, this is what Jesus says. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, his people enjoyed, those people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered. Listen, a lot of times we think back to the time of Noah's flood, and we've been led to believe that, that like what we call prehistoric people, like before the flood, that, you know, they were out there, they had their stone tools, and they're like, oh, oh dear, uh. Man, these guys had, yeah, they, they were like Brett. Yes, they were, they, were, they were like, you know, a lot of people have them pictured like Brett is, but they, they were a lot smarter than that. Not really, not really. I'm joking. So, like, these, these people had built cities. I mean, the, Jesus himself said that they were enjoying banquets and parties and even weddings right up until the time it started to rain, right? Well, in Noah's day, what was it like? Well, I can tell you this, that, that you know, Noah and his family weren't dressed in like loincloths, you know, and, and, you know, stone flint tools and stuff like that. I mean, th- this was a thriving civilization, right? And there was vast cities. Now, if we remember right, who was... Uh, the first kids, Cain and Abel, right? And what did Cain do to Abel? Killed him, right? So this is not a nice time between getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden and the flood. This is not a nice time, right? There's vast cities, the cities of Cain, Ruled. The Bible also says that during this time, the sons of God mated with the daughters of Adam. They created Nephilim. And there's a bunch, a bunch of different theories on what that is. And I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I know it happened because the Bible says it did. Okay. And then in Genesis 6, 5, this is what the Lord. Now, Jesus is saying that when he comes back, it will be like in the time of Noah right? People are enjoying banquets, parties, and weddings. They're getting married. They're professing their love to each other, blah, blah. I mean, it's just like it is now, right? And in Genesis 6, 5, God talks about what those people were like in the days of Noah. 
The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on this earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Let me read that one more time. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Everything they thought or imagined. Listen, in Noah's time, anything went. Huh. Does that sound somewhere like we're headed today? Where anything goes, anything that we think or imagine, we have found new ways to deprave our society and the great gifts that God has given us. And speaking of Cain, right? Because it says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like in the day of Noah. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. Cain killed his brother Abel and God did cursed him for it. And he said, you know what? <clears throat> no more is the land going to provide for you. You're not going to be able to grow anything and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he lays some other curses. And then, and then Cain says, your punishment is, is worse than the crime because when people find out about this, they're going to kill me. And he said, no, I'm going to give you a mark. And I will vow that anybody that sees that mark will know that any harm that they try to do to you, I will return to them sevenfold. Basically, God was saying, I'm going to protect you from everybody. Wow. What a curse, right? Think about this. Why would that be a curse? Now, I heard something this week that was phenomenal. It said the reason that that was a curse to Cain was Cain got all the protection, but the curse was the fact that God never disciplined him. God said, you can do whatever you want to do and no harm will come to you. What do you think a human heart would do if there was no chance that he could be harmed? right? No chance that he could be harmed and he could do whatever he wanted. See, God chastises and disciplines those he loves. He did not do that with Cain. He basically said, you're on your own and I'm going to make sure that nobody touches you, right? Can you imagine a society built upon greed without accountability? Can you imagine a bunch of people walking around blaming everybody else for the evil that is present in the world, not wanting to take accountability for anything. That's what it was like in the days of Noah. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then in verse 28, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. So he, Jesus says, when I come back, it'll be like it was in the time of Noah, right? Then he switches gears and he gives another illustration. And he said, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, here's the very next verse. Yes, it will be 
business as usual. That's exactly what the Bible says. It will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed like lightning all across where there's not one person on earth that will not be able to see it. No cloud's going to hold it from anybody. He will speak with the voice of the archangel with a trumpet blast from the throne of God whenever he comes back. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Man, the, the Bible says that in those days, people were eating and drinking, farming and ranching, and then everything changed in the blink of an eye. They were just doing what they did, right? And what were they doing? They were having uh, sex with people and things they shouldn't have been having sex with. Drug use was rampant. I mean, God was nowhere in those two cities. Those two cities were uh, like Las Vegas after dark all day long, all night long, right? And even when the two angels came to rescue Lot, people beat on their doors, on Lot and his family's doors, and these men said, send the strangers out so that we may have sex with them, right? It was a sad time in Lot's day. And Jesus said that it will be like those days, that people will just be eating and drinking and thinking that everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, one day, everything is going to change. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof, this is in verse 31. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. That's why I said, Jesus, I ain't got to go back for anything. I'm ready right now. I ain't going to go back for a dog. I ain't going to go back for nothing, right? Jesus, take me home. I'll let him worry about packing, right? If he wants me to have it, it'll be up there in my mansion because Jesus said that he's prepared a place for me. And in his father's house are many mansions, and I've got one with my name on the front door, and it'll be fully stocked when I get there with everything that I need. And then Jesus says this. He talks about it's going to be like in the days of Lot. It'll be business as usual. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home, right? Don't worry about anything else. That's what he's saying. Why does he say that? Because of this verse right here in Luke 17, 33. You've all heard it. You might not have heard it in context, but you've all heard it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. He's saying, man, don't hold tightly to anything here. If you're holding on to things here, you're going to miss out on the next. But if you will forsake everything what the world calls important and focus on the one thing that is important, then you will find your life. That's why he says, don't go back for a robe. Don't go back for a, you ain't got no, you ain't got to pack a bag, man. You fixing to get a new body that don't get old, that don't sag, that don't hurt and don't sound like a Coke can being crushed when you try to put your socks on. Oh, I thought I was the only one. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be, this is verse 34. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the meal. One will be taken and the other left. So when is all this going to happen? Well, let me give y'all just a few things, right? And I want you to know that the reason I do this 
is hope. Number one, I hope that you have trusted Jesus with your Lord, with your life, right? I hope you've put all your faith in him. Okay, the second thing I hope is that this gives you hope, what I'm fixing to say. Now, prophetically speaking and biblically speaking, the last thing that had to happen biblically before Jesus came back was that Israel had to be a sovereign nation. Did you know that Israel hasn't been a sovereign nation from about... Uh, about 150 BC, sovereign, about 150 BC until 1948. Israel was not a sovereign nation. Even when Jesus came to earth, Israel was not a sovereign nation, but Israel must be its own nation. Because you read the book of Revelations, it talks about the nation of Israel. So for 2,000 years, it didn't even exist until 1948, right? So that's the last thing that had to happen big, biblically before Jesus comes back. Now, I'm going to give you a second. Not like I said, not trying to scare anybody. I hope this brings you hope. It has actually been said that we live in the fig tree generation. Because in Matthew and Luke, Jesus talks about the barren fig tree. Okay, And he's talking about the barren fig tree being Israel because Israel is no longer bearing fruit for the kingdom of God because they don't believe in the Messiah, right? So he calls it the barren fig tree is the nation of Israel. And Jesus says something very peculiar about, he says, when you see the barren fig tree, though that generation will not pass before the son of man comes back. Now, if you were born in 1948, how old are you today? How much? 72? Yeah. Where's Gary? 75, right? 75, right? Uh, that's right. 75. 75. Jesus said, or actually God said that the, the limit on a man's life would, would be capped at 120 years. That would be 1960 or 2068. If we take the Bible at its word, 2068 would be the last chance. Because somebody born in 1948, if they lived to be 120 years old, it would be 1968. Jesus said that the generation that sees Israel become a nation again will not perish before they see the Son of Man come back. Now, let me tell y'all something. It would not surprise me, and I do not want it to surprise y'all, if Jesus came back today. Today. And we think that we look in the Bible at Moses and Abraham and Paul and Peter and Solomon and David and Samuel. All of these big, big people in the Bible, they would kill to be living in today's day and age that they get to see Jesus come back. They would count us so lucky. Do you know how lucky you are? Do you know how lucky you are to be living in possibly one of the last generations before Jesus comes back and institutes his millennial reign and then we'll turn this old place back the way God intended it to be and then we'll live with our God for all time. Jesus is coming back. Why? Because he said so. 
and I don't need a lot of other stuff, and I'm not counting down, not saying that it's going to happen on October 14th, 2023. I don't know. And it could be 200 years from now. I don't know. I'm just saying that all of the conditions for Jesus Christ have been fulfilled except one. This is the last thing we're waiting on. And there's just no way we can know it. That we are waiting on what is called the fullness of the Gentiles is what the Bible calls it. In in other words, God is waiting as patiently as he can so that everybody that will come to repentance does. But there is going to come a point in time where where God says, all right, there's there's the line. And that line will happen for you in one of two ways. The day you die or the day Jesus comes back, whichever comes first. But the same rules apply. And you think that that you have time. You do not have the time that you think you do. Because when Jesus comes back, there will be no more time to get your heart right. Get it right, right now. It should burden you that we have friends and family that will not see if Jesus came back today, they would have to go through the tribulation, which that's the rapture kind of starts those events, if you don't know. He's coming back, man, one of two ways. He's either going to come get you when, you when you pass from this earth, and you don't know the day or the hour when that's going to happen. But it's going to happen in your lifetime. <laughs> right? You're going to die in your lifetime. And you don't know how much longer you've got. None of us do. And Jesus is coming back as well. And, we, and I believe that we are in the last generation, and I don't know how much longer it'll last. But I want you to be hopeful, and I want you to be ready. And when you look northeast, and I don't know why northeast. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> but when you look northeast, I think it's because I didn't want the sun in my eyes. You know what I mean? Hey? Yeah, he must not be Yeah, <laughs> turn around that way. Listen, guys. Jesus is real. He loves you with a real love that is beyond compare, so much so that he died on a cross for you so that you could live a brand new life. One down here that'll be hard and one in the next life that's to come that's gonna be more glorious than we can even imagine. And let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us with with the kind of love that we can't even imagine. And God, my prayer today is that if there is somebody that is just, unsure whether they have given their life to God. Let them do it right now, God. Just say, God, you know what? I want to give you my life. And that's going to start an avalanche of things in their life, uh, uh, things that are hard, things that will, problems that will be solved, problems that will be created. But once and for all, we will know that our salvation is secure. And I just pray right now that anybody that has just done that, whether it's online or, or in person here today, that, that they will pray about entering into the next step, which is believer's baptism, which we will celebrate right now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.